What is good, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Dan Cable Presents Podcast. Thank you for tuning in to the program once again. Stoked to be with y'all. If this is your first time listening, thanks for checking out the podcast. You can find fresh episodes coming at you every Friday. And if you want to help support this podcast in a free way, you can do so by clicking subscribe on iTunes or following the podcast wherever you're listening to it. But specifically on iTunes, click subscribe, click the write a review, you say a few nice words about the cast, and uh, you click the five stars if you feel like it's deserving of so, and uh, that will help propel the podcast into the tops of the iTunes charts, which will make the podcast easier for strangers to find and stumble upon, and uh, giving it more visibility on the uh, national and international level and uh yeah just super helpful if you have a few minutes it doesn't take long at all appreciate the hell out of all the folks that have already taken the time to do so appreciate you just tuning in there's a dan cable presents youtube channel which you can also subscribe to you can find a bunch of in-studio performances and live show performances from bands here from uh portland oregon where this thing is based out of, and uh, some other touring artists as well on the uh, on the YouTube channel there with some performances. And uh, what else? There's DanCablePresents.com. That's the central location to find everything going on. The new episode always posts up there as soon as it's available. But if you just click subscribe, then you'll know when the new episode is available. If you click subscribe on the YouTube channel, then you'll get the notification that there's a new video to check out. So... That's the best way to follow things up. I'm at Dan Cable Presents on Instagram, where I am uh, most active on the uh, the old social media, and uh, you can hit me with messages there or uh, at Dan Cable Presents at gmail.com. That's uh, well, it's just Dan Cable Presents at gmail.com because you don't start an email address with an at symbol. It just doesn't really doesn't work. But anywho, uh, stoked to be. Uh, bringing you another episode of this thing uh if you tuned in last week i was uh i was fresh back from my first international travels outside of america i went to spain for a couple weeks and uh last week's episode was with a a band from just outside of barcelona called we are impala pretty killer post-rock instrumental band that I enjoy quite a bit, and I had the opportunity to sit down with a couple of the members of the band and and have a conversation with them at a at a bar before their their show there at the Sidecar in Barcelona. So that was that was killer, and I encourage you to check out their music. But uh, yeah, I didn't I uh, didn't really dive too deep into the Spain trip at all, just because I was uh, I was extremely exhausted from the uh 
from all the flying, the, the back and forth and whatnot, and I was just a, a day back or so when I had recorded that, that intro for last week's episode, and uh, I was also uh, recovering from, from a pretty gnarly belt bout. Bout sounds right. A pretty gnarly bout of uh, food poisoning that I got there in Barcelona. Um, anyway, and uh, I'm, I'm sure we'll we'll jump into that, but uh, I don't know. I just wanted to kind of recap my uh, my travels, my journeys while I was uh, while I was out there in Spain. I feel like you know a lot of my friends around you know are curious to to know how it went down and what my my experiences were uh with the travel so i figure i would just i would just kind of do a, a recap on on this here podcast you know this is this is my platform to to share things that are going on in my life so i figure uh we we do a little a little spain recap you know so if you're into it um cool if you want to skip on to next week's episode where we'll feature uh, a musical artist per usual you know that's that's fine too you don't have to you don't have to care about what's going on in my personal life i didn't you know i know that's not exactly what you signed up for but if you've been listening for long enough you know that's that's what's happening sometime on here so uh the you know i'm still going to feature some music on this episode and uh i'm going to feature a band called the crab apples and the crab apples are a band from Barcelona, Barcelona, Spain, and I I met their guitar player while uh, while doing some laundry there on our first day at Barcelona, and uh, we ended up talking with this woman who was who was working there, and uh, she was super sweet, very kind. Her name was Alcina, and uh, and, and we we got to chatting, and and she told us about the band that she played guitar in. Which is uh, called the Crab Apples, and I did some further investigating and started listening to the record, and I just thought it would be cool to uh, to feature this band throughout throughout this uh, this recap of the journey and and uh, share some some tunes that I was exposed to while I was out there, and and uh, yeah, like I said, just a a very cool band, indie rock vibes going on, and um, so we're gonna play some tracks from from one of their records so we'll get in get into some music for sure on this thing um i want to tell you about some calendar dates but i can't remember what exactly i wanted to tell you about um we've got some things going on at the library if you're listening to this on release day then uh april 27th saturday april 27th is the super ocean album release ep release and i'm pretty excited about this super ocean was a band once known as Castles. And Castles was, I think, you know, first 15 episodes. I want to say it was episode 11. And they came on the podcast very early on. And they are now a band called Super Ocean. And they played one of the first shows at the library that I booked earlier in the year. And, um, yeah, they seem to have tapped into uh, all the stuff that was cool about Castles. But, um just a, a little bit of a different vibe with some of the newer tunes. And uh, I'm really looking forward to to diving into that record and, and seeing their release show. So uh, that's going on at the library, April 27th. It's a $7 cover. 
And opening the show is a band called Soft Cheese. It's just their second show, and I'm stoked about this as well. This is um, if if you tuned into the Rare Monk episode, which some um, faithful listeners would call one of the uh, the highlights of this program. Certainly one of my favorite performances on the podcast, as well as. Uh, the, the staff, the folks that work on this this show as far as engineering, Mountaineer Mike and uh, Forrest Brennan who who shot the video and, and edited all the video for the Rare Monk session as, as well as many of the sessions that take place uh, during the, uh, the Dan Cable Presents sessions. Um, yeah, we all, we all hold that Rare Monk, that Rare Monk episode very high and uh it just check out some of the videos that are on the youtube channel it's crazy it's just killer performances and uh just one of those days where where the sound was was really dialed in you know and uh really enjoyed that episode but the point i'm trying to make is is hugh who is the uh the guitar player and uh one of the the backup vocalists in rare monk is uh he's got a new project called soft cheese that he fronts and uh i'm stoked to see what what that's all about because hugh is a a great musician and and definitely um i think a a key component to the the live show and and the recordings that that rare monk have put together in the last few years since he has been a part of the band so soft cheese and then one of my other favorite portland bands is uh is also on the bill luna vista which is a rad kind of post-rock mathy rock band that's i've featured a jam on here before but i'm going to have them on the podcast soon so stay tuned for that killer show that's all i'm trying to say long-winded way to say april 27th 7th april april 27th is going to be a rad show at the library so encourage you to come check out that one if you are uh, fans of the the indie rock realm of music or if you just want to see some uh some good people play some tunes that's going to be uh a real banger i want to thank everybody that came out to the 420 fest at polaris hall i got to see a couple bands that i hadn't seen play much that night um and we had a a super fun night there's uh just amazing performances by all four bands that played super secret band had their album release show and uh kind of their introduction i think for a lot of people to to who that band is they had only played a couple portland shows prior to that and uh they put on a a great performance as a a six-piece band that night horns keys the whole the whole gamut and uh i thought they they kicked things off really nicely and uh following them was uh, a performance by the band weed and that was my first time seeing weed and they uh they really blew my mind i heard hey i had heard great things about what their live show was about and uh it did not disappoint and uh i think it exceeded my expectations i had no idea that there was going to be two drum sets on stage so that was a big part of it two drummers and then a percussion player in the middle who was just jamming so hard so just the drums alone 
is rad. It's a five-piece band, and three of the people in the band are playing percussion. And their bass player and guitar player rip. Very fucking cool band. So check out Weed. I really dug that set. And then, of course, High Pulp from Seattle. If you listen to the podcast, you know about High Pulp because I, I talk about them often. My cousin plays drums for full transparency in that band, but uh, they're really unreal. They just had a killer night a couple weeks ago opening for Ghost Note up in Seattle, another show that they sold out at Nectar, which is like a 450-seat venue up there or cap room. It's not not seated, but um, just uh, much love to High Pulp. They're, they're really shredding and, and creating a, a killer buzz up in Seattle and it's been a pleasure to get to kind of help um hopefully spread some of that down to Portland as they've been down here the last uh they've been down here three times since December now and uh it's very very cool to see them see them making moves they've got some killer videos on their YouTube channel high pulp check it out crazy basement sessions it's like a 9 to 10 piece band sometimes it's 7 given on the night but but the videos have I think all 10 of them in it and uh, just some some really gnarly funk fusion. And uh, and then my friends in Tribe Mars closed out the evening. And uh, Tribe is one of my favorite bands, uh, period. Not just here in Portland, just uh, I think an incredible group of musicians and uh, some people that I enjoy very much. And it's, uh, it's always an honor for me to get to to collaborate with them on shows and and i've gotten to do so a few times with them now and it's it's uh it's a special thing because i have so much respect for for all of them as musicians and uh and as much or more as as people i just i just always enjoy seeing them and they're just all such warm individuals and uh unreal musicians that uh that always blow my mind so so thank you to all them, and thank you to uh, all you folks out there that uh, that made an appearance. Thank you to Polaris Hall and their staff. What an incredibly nice group of people, especially uh, their dude Matt Kimmick, who is the one of the production managers there. Just in a really nice dude, and uh, just incredibly uh, welcoming of that that space. So also thank you to the Polaris Hall Mississippi Studios staff. That was uh, incredibly, incredibly nice to work with. Uh, and one more calendar date, and then we'll jump into some music from the Crab Apples, and and then I'll uh, I'll ramble on about the beginnings of this journey that I went on to Spain. But uh, May fourth at the library, this is a super secret band. Their their next show is on May 4th at the library, and they're playing with Salo Panto. And I'm stoked to see Salo Panto, too. And I I intend to have them on the podcast in the near future as well. I know we've had a couple playlist episodes in this episode in the last, the last few weeks and whatnot. But uh, look forward to uh, some really great conversations with some, some new bands to the cast coming at you. These uh, these next few weeks, I think we've got a cool cool variety and uh, some some folks I'm really excited to talk to. So some more conversations are coming at you, as well as the announcement of uh, 
some other projects, some other some other podcasts I've been messing around and collaborating with some uh, some other folks on, and I'm stoked to share that as well. But uh, let's get into some music from the Crab Apples. I'm going to make sure to include their Instagram handle so that you can follow them. They're on the the Spotify and the iTunes. That's where I'm listening to it from the um, the iTunes music. I know there's been some some debate recently. There's some some things came out about Spotify and uh, just them kind of wanting to even close the gap further on how much an artist makes per pay. So I know. I know a lot of musicians are kind of bailing on them on their um, on their monthly subscriptions to Spotify and jumping over to iTunes. I've always I've always had the iTunes deal or the uh, iMusic. I don't even I don't even know what it is. I don't know what Apple Music. That's what it's called. That's the proper term. Term. Um, but I've had Apple Music now for a, the last three years probably almost and and i i don't know how i would survive without it at this point and uh i know people had said that that there were some some perks to to spotify but i just never i never switched over because i wasn't really having an issue with my my apple music and uh i don't know i'm probably just too lazy to to make the switch over but now it seems like a lot of people are maybe bailing out on the uh, the old Spotify because of their their tactics and their uh their ideas about how much they should be paying the the bands per play but uh the point is is that the crab apples are on uh, all all of the streaming services so you can find it there but I will place their Instagram handle on um on the episode notes so you can follow them and and find it whatever way is easiest for you Gonna be featuring music off of their uh, their record "A Drastic Mistake," which came out in uh, 2017, so still relatively new, definitely new to me. And uh, if you dig this band, follow them up. And and uh, if you're going to Europe, maybe see if they're playing because they seem to be playing a lot of shows. And uh, I I hope to to have the the opportunity to see them in the in the future. But uh, we're gonna kick it off. What song are we going to kick it off with? We're going to play a uh, a jam called Open Your Mind to get things rolling. So this is the Crab Apples, everybody. Let's uh, get into it. Open your mind If you cannot open your eyes Does it feel right To be alone in this world Open your mind you can't open your eyes Does it feel right To be alone in this world Open your mind If you can't open your eyes Does it feel right 
the guitar tones on this record so good and uh i don't know i think some of it has like a florence on the machine vibe a little bit here and there but uh just some some crazy good dynamics throughout this whole record and i th- i think all the all the songs that i'm gonna feature uh on this episode from the crab apples are all from this this record called a drastic mistake but i think they all kind of show off a different dynamic because there's definitely some some bluesy stuff that's happening in some other songs and uh definitely some some indie rock vibes throughout the thing even some some modest mouse feels at times um but but yeah the the guitar tones throughout this record are are crazy and uh her voice her voice is is so good so um the crab apples more from the crab apples coming uh throughout the episode that was open your mind which um uh, yeah i not to not to give you the cheesiest segue but uh i think that was a that was a big part of of this decision to uh put some international travel in my life and uh for the past past few years i've been i've been thinking about uh doing a trip and started to kind of get this urge and and this pull to experience something going on outside of the united states and uh to be able to experience the um, you know just just see how some some other people are living because i know that uh that this isn't everybody's everybody's jam the american uh way of the uh the nine to five monday through friday grind which is i guess the norm you know obviously other people do work on the weekend 
because uh, we go to uh, we go to spend our money on the weekend. Somebody's working in those places, but uh, yeah, I just wanted to I just wanted to see how some other people were living and um, get to experience a culture that's uh, you know a little bit older than than our our own and um so started get get this itch and uh finally pulled the trigger on getting a passport about six months ago and and started plotting plotting my moves and um spain was brought to my attention because of uh the food was supposed to be amazing and the art there including the music is is a big part of of what's going on um so that made it appealing and and also uh not to mention going to spain is definitely one of the cheaper places that you can go within europe um as far as the amount of money that you will spend in in particular cities so um that was also also appealing and uh it gave me the opportunity to not only visit spain and a couple cities there but uh it's a it's just a an hour flight to the uh the island of abiza and uh that uh looked like it looked like a paradise in the pictures and uh, as we'll get into a little bit later it was uh it was definitely that and more so the plan was to uh to to fly into madrid i flew out of lax got a killer ticket um you know one thing about this trip and i might have mentioned this last week in in the we are impala episode before i got into it but i think growing up i always um thought or was under this impression that that only wealthy people went on on international trips and uh, maybe maybe kids like low key I didn't really understand the term of like studying abroad or that was not even really brought to my attention until my late teens and and early 20s um but i i didn't really realize how many people seem to do that in college but also another thing that requires um you know some cash you know it's gonna cost cost some money or uh some some unreal scholarship so i just i just wasn't even familiar that people did that frequently as a part of of a uh a college degree and it wasn't it wasn't really on my radar um but what i have found out that it is it's not that crazy expensive to to go on one of these trips and uh you can definitely even do it on more of a budget than i did i was um i was able to get a very very cheap ticket to Spain, to and from, a round trip ticket for four hundred dollars out of LAX, a, a direct flight from 
LAX to Madrid was only $400. So uh, there are some killer deals out there. And uh, I, I highly recommend you check out that kayak website. I wish, I wish kayak was sponsoring this, this, uh, this podcast or even this episode, but they're not. I'm just, I'm just telling you this, uh, this tool that has been, uh, I've been informed about my buddy Frank, who went on this trip with me, um, uh, when I was telling him about this originally, this idea to do this, he said, you look it up on kayak. And, um, so I use this kayak website. And now I use it for almost every flight that I, I take. But uh, $400. I couldn't resist it. I had to do it. And I felt like that was going to put me in pretty good shape as far as how much money I wanted to spend on this trip and how much money I would be able to spend when I got there because of the, the cheap flight. Um, but my point is, is that you don't have to be rich to travel. And that was a misconception and uh i'm i'm really excited about that factor because uh i really want to continue my my travel efforts outside of outside of the states but uh we flew into madrid flew from lax you got it it was like 11 hours 11 hours and 15 minutes and um the flight there was awesome half empty plane my buddy frank and I, um, Frank, whom, whom went with me, he was, uh, he was able to have his own row. I had pretty much an entire middle row almost, and you just kind of go wherever you want. I, I was able to go and stand up in the back of the plane a lot, which was incredibly helpful because I, I maybe slept, I don't know, I might have slept an hour, two at most on the way there, just, uh, I think I was just too hyped, too hyped to go. So I wasn't, I wasn't going to sleep much. And, uh, so I was able to go stand up, stretch it out in the back of the plane. Cause, uh, old man, Dan, he gets antsy on the plane. I'll tell you what I, and, and I don't know, my body has a rough time sitting in a position like that for an extended amount of time. So it was, it was so nice for every two hours I was able to just go and stretch it out in the back of the plane and uh no one gave me any shit about it mostly because a lot of people were just sleeping and like i said it was uh, a lot of a lot of empty seats flew on that el ilberia which is a uh a spanish airline and uh i would i would recommend it I w there was no there was no bullshit they didn't hit you with any any bullshit fees it was what it said it was and uh the food was much better than anticipated and they give you a lot of it on an on that long of a flight for no fee which is nice so uh you know fly alberia alberia where are you at with the, the the sponsorship but flight there not bad not bad at all and uh and we got into madrid and I don't even know what the situation was necessarily like when you get into another country. I hear about this customs, but I didn't know how long it was any of that was going to take. And um so it was a it was a pretty quick process. There wasn't tons of people when we went in, so and and no shit was given for what the purpose of the visit or anything. It was just a a, a stamp in the passport, the first stamp in the passport, you know. And uh, we were off. We were off to this Airbnb that uh, 
that I booked up there in the uh, Melisania neighborhood. And that worked out very well. And that was a that was a, a killer find. That Airbnb that I had um, was in the middle of such an amazing neighborhood. We were, walk, we were able to walk to so much cool kind of, I don't know, definitely, definitely an area of town that's, that's not touristy and, and just a lot of neighborhood bars and restaurants and, uh, very cool shops of, uh, many sorts, you know, clothing or just boutique stores, um, record stores, bakeries, tons of bakeries everywhere in Spain, but specifically Madrid, it seemed like every other door was a bakery and uh, consumed a lot of pastries on this adventure. But uh, yeah, tattoo shops and and hair salons, just a, a really rad neighborhood. So couldn't have had a better location because the if you go in the opposite direction a couple blocks, then you're on the main road, the Grand, the Grand Via. And uh, that is where just the, the kind of the main main drag of the city where you find more of the uh, I don't know commercially internationally known known stores like your your H and M's and um, things of that nature and big malls and just kind of your major major tourist area, but also you know, where, where people were going to do their business, the suits and ties and, and stuff doing, doing their business in the, in the big buildings down there and whatnot. But the Airbnb was, was really dope. And we had this rad balcony just overlooking these, uh, these almost alleyways that are, that are streets in, in some parts of the towns. And, uh, that is a trip watching not only scooters ride down these, little cobblestone roads but all of their vehicles too they all of a sudden you're you're just pulling off onto this into this alleyway that you didn't know that you could you could drive on and um that was that was definitely i had to adjust to (laughs) paying attention to cars because uh portland's made me soft portland is uh like by law you have to stop for a pedestrian especially if if they're in a crosswalk, but most people will do it on, on kind of like any street corner, even if there isn't a, a stop, uh, a crosswalk. So, you know, that's kind of like made me soft and, and made me not pay attention to cars as much as I should. And, uh, yeah, especially on, on walking across a, a tiny road that you don't realize that cars drive on normally. So that was, uh, that was an absolute trip. But uh, the alleyways there, and that, and and small roads, all all have these these stores on them. You know, that's where you find the bakeries and and little boutique stores and whatnot. And uh, just a very cool vibe to see stuff that is that old. And uh, it was, it's, I don't know. We were talking to these uh, these women that own this place called monkey monk which was one of the the favorite bars um that we went to while we're in madrid 
and these two women, two sisters from originally from Venezuela, which I guess a lot of people from Venezuela make their make their way to Spain if they can um, for better living conditions from from what they were telling us. So there's quite a few Venezuelan people in the in the Madrid area, if not all over Spain. But um, these two women own this this spot, and um, we just happen to be. It was a really slow night for them, and and these places are small. So if there's if there's eight to twelve people in your place, that could be considered pretty packed out, because there might only be seating for. 15 to 20 people in in some of these places um but that particular night it was or at least until we left frank and i were the only people in there so we 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 talked with them for a few hours and just really sweet ladies and uh and and they told us a lot about a lot about madrid and and one of the things they mentioned is just things are seem they they're a little bit more laid back there and and a little bit um there might be less money there but partially because people are a little bit less worried about making money it's not it's not as capitalist driven i guess um and uh that's it's kind of proven, I think, in their in their day to day schedules and and kind of how the the hours work there because everything um, everything kind of starts a little later and goes a little later. So a lot of a lot of things aren't getting going till ten in the morning or so because a lot of people are staying out till midnight to 5 a.m a lot of things don't start until very late and uh, part of that is probably because of the siesta they take that's the other thing is that they have this siesta from two to five or some people might do two to four but a lot of independent businesses small shops they will uh they shut down for these three hours and people just you know they maybe go have their lunch and they maybe uh take a nap but they just take a break in the middle of the day and then they don't go to dinner until 9 or 10 p.m if you if you go to dinner at 8 you're you're early even at 9 you might you might be one of the few people in there and then things start kind of kind of popping off around around 10 or midnight but uh, so you know in turn things get started a little bit later in the day so walking around the streets at 7 or 8 a.m can be very quiet which was cool we did that a couple mornings especially the first morning um still kind of adjusting the times and whatnot and uh got up real early and just just walked the streets and found this amazing bakery um i think it was called la vidra madre i believe was the uh the name of the spot and just an unreal bakery killer pastries and and quiche and that place that place is amazing um but uh yeah things are just not happening until until much later on the on the on the streets there in in spain you know things seem to really get going around 10 a.m and then streets are packed by by noon or so but so 
a little bit a little bit different on that end. It's it's crazy just going going to sleep maybe and and just hearing people out out of the window um all going home at like four or five in the morning and and not just a couple people but you hear everyone at this time kind of kind of cruising cruising home finally and uh stayed out late a few nights i never made it to any any crazy shit like that anything past three maybe two a.m was i don't know it's hard for me to stay up stay up that late and uh I, w- I wasn't really trying to go to any any wild clubs or anything, so I didn't I didn't uh, quite experience anything quite like that. I I just heard people all night while I was laying in bed. Madrid was amazing though. That city was very cool, and um, it's much smaller in comparison to Barcelona. I didn't realize how much smaller it was <coughs> until we got to Barcelona. But Madrid was cool. Excuse me, excuse me, because we were able to pretty much walk everywhere we went, and uh, everything was pretty close that way. We didn't we didn't use any taxis, and we didn't use the uh, the metro, which is their subway system there at all while we were in Madrid. And uh, the only time we took a taxi was to and from the airport. But uh, we did a lot of walking, which is. I think one of my favorite ways to kind of get acquainted with the city, especially when you know you're going to be there for four days or so, and um, that was that was awesome. Just walking around, seeing seeing all the architecture and and whatnot, and these amazing statues that they seem to put on top of uh, all of their buildings. Just unreal architecture, and and. Uh, I don't know. There's one building where this chariot of horses is kind of hanging over the edge, and uh, they just they just seem to really kind of go the extra mile on these buildings to to top it off with something that makes it spectacular. Because it's already this insane building, and then you have this uh, this giant ornament at the top to to really set it off, and and they were all all impressive and and just uh it was cool to see different people's take on them because it wasn't maybe always necessarily a statue at the top but just the way they painted the peak of the building or or something of that nature um so one thing that blew my mind about the the entire spain trip but i guess was first appearance in madrid where where our uh, where our journey began was the amount of american food that we found throughout the city that that seemed to be local spots this is where local people were eating but uh it was difficult a lot of times to not be able to find traditional spanish food within the city of madrid and barcelona I think at times as well that maybe weren't like just the, the touristy people holding boards out saying like, Oh, we have the best paella here because you're just supposed to avoid those places. Those are, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're tourist traps, most of them. And that's not to say that they, they probably don't have some decent food, but probably not, not the most authentic thing, but walking through these, these cities, we start seeing, um, 
these different burger chains and uh they were all over they just really seemed to to vibe out on uh the american cuisine the uh the burgers and fries are a big deal there and uh one of the first places that we stomped upon uh, stomped upon <laughs> stumbled upon was this place called zombie burger which was um something that looked like it came out of huntington beach just um just playing some like skater punk inside and uh there's like skateboards and and cool murals on the wall and just this uh gastro pub basically is what it was and uh just a bunch of gourmet burgers and uh yeah we we had that spot and it was solid but i was just very blown away um by how many different of burger spots that they had throughout the city or places like barbecue places that have known for their ribs and whatnot and um, we also kind of made it a, a goofy point to try all the american fast food in spain just to see what the differences were and um maybe uh what menu items they have because they have they have some different menu items on on their um on their menus there and they also have some stuff that that is completely missing from from the menu so we we hit up a few a few fast food spots to uh to see what was good had some mcdonald's i had a big mac and uh probably the best big mac i've ever had and also the actual size of the big mac in the picture which was mind-blowing i feel like i've never i haven't seen a big mac that big since um you know the, the beginning of my mcdonald's days you know talking 25 years ago i feel like it was that that big so that was that was wild the nuggets were solid um fries fries were still great um spain doesn't seem to mess with the condiments very much though very hard to find some condiments in spain that are not ketchup or barbecue sauce uh occasionally find find some hot sauce but um like even at McDonald's, you're not gonna get the full gamut of the dipping sauces. They they don't really seem to uh, do ranch. That's not a thing. You don't really see that around. And uh, we found this to kind of be true in in other other restaurants as well. Just not not huge on the the condiments selections. And uh, Taco Bell was weird because they only had like six or eight items and they weren't really even the the usual suspects like you can't get a double decker taco in uh in spain they don't have the refried beans they only have some black beans so um which i, I don't know i think taco bell beans are a big component of what they're doing over there and you kind of remove that and you're you're just taking a lot, a lot of items that i'm usually ordering like there was no mexican pizza there was no double decker tacos no chalupas i was pretty much left with getting a crunch wrap supreme and i also tried a chicken nacho taco because that was something that they had there that doesn't seem to exist here and it was basically just a chicken finger inside of a tortilla so way to go taco bell i probably won't ever order that again even if they bring it to the states i wasn't very impressed so Taco Bell, kind of disappointing there. 
it's kind of disappointing here though it's uh i don't know why why i just said that in that cadence it's kind of disappointing here though um i mean it's shitty food right it's uh it's so good sometimes though what else did we do we did burger king i had to do burger king because i i i don't know i've kind of abandoned burger king for many years now it's uh it's very rare that I'm inspired to go to Burger King. I think their fries are garbage. I think that's a big part of it. And really the only thing that I like on their menu is the Whopper. I think that's a, usually a quality burger, but even that seems to have gone downhill. And uh, I had one in Ibiza. I had a Whopper, and it was uh, quite terrific. Quite good. The fries were great. So I don't know what's happening over here with the Burger King fries, but over there they were really good. So Burger King was solid. They also had Kit Kat shakes. And uh, just in general, lots of Kit Kat uh, driven dessert out there. There's some Kit Kat ice cream bars. I've never seen that before. I don't know if that's here. If somebody can tell me where that exists. Kit Kat, favorite candy bar. Favorite candy bar is a Kit Kat. So if you want to send a gift, Amazon wish list or something, you know, DM me. I'll give you the information, and then you can send me uh, Kit Kat. But Kit Kat ice cream bars? What are you kidding me? I got a Kit Kat shake though, and it tastes exactly what you think it's gonna taste like. It's it's ice cream with Kit Kats, and that's, I mean, that's no bullshit right there. That's that's just delicious. And uh, so, also at KFC, KFC, I think the chicken was great. It was pretty pretty great. Um, and they had some different sides. They had patatas bravas. Patatas bravas is like a classic Spanish dish. It's potatoes with a uh, red aioli sauce on it, kind of like a tomato sauce almost. And uh, lots of places have plays on those, even the fast food spots. So had to try the patatas bravas over there at KFC. They also had some weird menu items. They also had, they were connected to a pizza hut. That's sold by the slice. I've never seen a Pizza Hut that sells by the slice. The slice, not that great. I had it. I had to try the pizza, that Pizza Hut. Um, they had a kebab-style pizza, though. Lots of Mediterranean food out there in, uh, in, in Spain. And that was also, if you're looking at, like, budget food, the Mediterranean food, we were able to find... Awesome kebab places. Donner. Get on the Donner. And uh, that, that, was, that was a great, great move. All those places were solid, too. All the Mediterranean food we had. But that's the deal. I, I, didn't, I didn't have tons of traditional Spanish food while we were there. We tried some dishes, for sure, especially at breakfast, Spanish tortillas, and things of that nature, but a big, I guess, the biggest thing that I did that, or most consistent eating I did that was part of kind of the Spanish culture is is definitely diving into those pastries. You know, the churros for breakfast that you dip into hot chocolate, which is like a, a fudge. It's not, it's not like a drinking hot, uh, hot cocoa. It's uh, it's it's just like like I said, it's kind of a, a thick chocolate fudge, and you just dip this churro in. And it's uh, it's pretty lights out. So lots lots of lots of pastries were were consumed, but we did um, 
we had a lot of food from from different different cultures like we dove into some asian food we had the dopest dumplings in madrid the dopest dumplings i've ever had just amazing gyoza and uh it was rad you could you could tell it was just this this husband and wife and they were just back there working their ass off the place was packed out at midnight you know and uh it was uh well worth the wait over there i think that was probably one of the best meals we had there and and both of us i think wanted to go back uh every day if we could have it was it was just that lights out and uh one thing we found funny is that at a couple of the restaurants that we went to they uh they bring you bread out without you asking and then they charge you for the bread which isn't it's not tons but it's it's kind of a bummer if you're not going to eat the bread if you're not hungry enough to crush some bread along with your you know your fried food then uh you're just paying for for some bread that you didn't eat so i found that very funny and also tap water isn't really a thing you either order sparkling water or you order still water and uh you can't it's it's very difficult to get some tap water like they're they're gonna make you buy water and that's just how it goes at most places that you're you're trying to get food but uh what else happened in madrid madrid was uh eventful in that we witnessed a protest and uh it was pretty gnarly to to be cruising through the streets and then hear a bunch of chanting and kind of seeing some smoke in the air and just seeing all these people marching and you could you could tell it was uh you know that these people were pretty pissed off and that what they were marching for was was uh was quite serious to them and found out from some of the locals because i don't know we we kind of cleared out of we were, we were trying to get to a particular location but there were so many people marching in the streets that it was it was difficult to get to where we were trying to go so we uh we we kind of just bailed into uh a shop it was also pouring rain um for for part of that day and so we bailed into a shop and and asked some of the people that that worked there what was happening and i i guess the situation is that you know they have a police force that is ran by their government much like we do but also recently a privatized police force has been implemented into the system and people are not stoked about it rightfully so and uh, there was 13,000 people that were marching out there and it was really intense to uh, not really know what's going on and and uh, it was kind of crazy for for a couple hours and we kind of just bailed into a couple shops and 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 laid low while it was uh while it was going on because uh i don't know i guess i guess amongst a crowd of 13,000 you uh things things become a little unpredictable and we were just uh 
as much as I kind of wanted to see it, like what was happening and maybe get in the mix of it just to like witness it a little bit more up close and, and see what was going on. It was, you could just tell that that was maybe not the greatest of ideas and, and nothing seemed to, to really go down, but you know, some people were injured. It's bound to happen in a protest that, uh, gathers 10,000 plus people, if not 13,000. So, um, that was pretty wild to see. One of the coolest things that we found in Madrid was this place called the wrong way bar. And, uh, it was a punk rock bar and they had all these cool concert posters on the wall from when bands have come to Barcelona or, or I mean to, to Spain, to Madrid or, uh, you know, just some American posters too, but it was this really rad punk rock bar and, uh, just skateboard trucks hanging from the wall and all kinds of cool posters. And they were just playing really killer music there all night. So that was, that was probably my favorite bar that we went to while we were, uh, aside from monkey monk, which is more of a, maybe a pub where you, where you, where you grab some food. Um, wrong way bar was definitely more of a dive bar and, and, uh, just a super fun, Super fun place to hang. So that was killer and uh, definitely a highlight of the trip. The only, uh, the only issue that we had as far as uh, people being shitty is one night, one late night, walking back to our spot. Um, this dude kind of got weird with my buddy Frank and was clearly trying to distract him and... Uh, get him to uh shake his hand in a way that maybe would uh leave him vulnerable to this dude trying to grab something out of his pocket pull the old pickpocket move and uh you know we were we were rolling with uh, everything in our front pockets as uh as they tell you to do if not <clears throat> maybe even doing the fanny pack life you know and and having having some zippers on it but uh yeah you definitely got to be a little cautious about about where you're putting stuff and and kind of protecting your pockets, but this dude ended up uh, yanking Frank's phone out of his hand, out of his pocket, just reached in there, grabbed it, and then put it in his pocket, and Frank grabbed it right back, and was like, what the fuck are you doing, dude? You can't do that. <laughs> it was just like very funny how he uh, how he told this dude that uh, that he couldn't do that. You weren't, you're not allowed to, sir. He said, no, you can't do that. And uh, then those two dudes... The other he and the, the other dude that were with him kind of followed us for a couple blocks. Um, luckily, luckily it was uh, there was a lot of people out, and we were near Main Street, so we just kind of dipped in and out of a couple places, made a couple extra turns, and then finally they weren't following us anymore. But that was that was super sketchy. Luckily, Frank was able to grab his phone back, and it didn't become a thing. And uh, Frank reacted really well to the situation um and and didn't try to get aggressive or like violent with the dude he just took his phone and then bounced out of it so that was uh that was super fortunate and like i said that was that was the only time we had like anything remotely sketchy happen um we also went to the prado which is this pretty unreal art museum and uh 
that is something I recommend that you get the two-day pass for because it's absolutely huge and it's a lot to take in. There's so many pieces and there, there's a lot of amazing stuff in there. But we were there for about three hours, maybe a little bit more, and kind of zoomed through it and, and definitely missed some things. And, and that was like very overwhelming. And for me personally, that's, that's all I kind of have the patience for with a, a museum, three hours or so. Um, and that one was cool because they had all these stories that were attached to, um, each of the paintings, or at least most of them had backstories and, and, uh, that those were the ones that I tended to invest my time in a little bit more. I think just because if I, if I know the story behind it, then, then I'm going to be able to attach myself to it a little bit more, but three hours, that's, that's kind of, uh, that's a good amount of time for me personally in a museum. So it would have been dope if we kind of did the two day and, and kind of did a few hours each day instead of having to feel like we needed to see everything in, in a three, four hour span. I was also kind of hung over that day, which is a very, and very unlikely scenario for me. But, uh, I was, I was a little hung over and then that made it, um, a little more difficult to have patience. And I just kind of wanted to sit down and drink water. And, uh, <laughs> I was very, very done by the end of it, but I'm so glad that I went because I know that that's, uh, that's known as one of the best museums in the world. And, and there's a crazy amount of impressive things in there and, and some, some stuff that really blew my mind. And I just have so much respect for visual artists because I don't feel like I have any capabilities with, with visual art. It just doesn't make tons of sense to me so i know the detail and uh the amount of time that it takes to uh you know to produce one of these these paintings and to see so many different styles is just incredible and and uh like i said it was just it was just so overwhelming but i took some notes i took some notes in there you know i i uh i have some things that i want to further further look into as far as some of these pieces and and i learned about some some artists that i wasn't really familiar with at all so that that was really dope and uh that was pretty much madrid that was the that was the first portion of of the trip and then we uh we flew out to the island of ibiza for for a few days so um let's get into another another track from from the crab apples off of their uh their a drastic mistake record we've got uh, this next next jam that we're going to get into is uh it's called wicked memory <laughs>
awesome tune off that record. And uh, they also recently put out a uh, an EP, which is called, I think it's called Another Mistake. What's it called? More Mistakes. This is a, a most recent EP of theirs. The most recent release is is uh, this More Mistakes EP, and they did an acoustic version of that song, which is really great as well. So if you dug that tune, you should check out the acoustic version of it. And like I said, I'll put all the uh, the links in the episode notes so that you can uh, you can follow up with the crab apples if you're digging the music that you are hearing on this episode. But uh, our next adventure was to Ibiza, and Ibiza was paradise and probably my favorite part of the trip just because I felt like it was very much a... Um, hold on. I got to fix. I got to fix this. I don't know what's happening with the, uh, the TV here. I'm trying to, I'm trying to uh, see what's going on with these NHL playoffs while this is going on. Sorry about that. We're back in action. I gotta, I gotta be able to keep up. It's the, it's the most exciting time of the year, people. It's the NHL playoffs, the best, uh, the best sports that uh, you can see is, is going on. And I don't know what just happened in the last couple minutes of this game, but it appears that the Columbus Blue Jackets have scored two goals against Boston here in Game One. I don't know what happened. I turn. I turn God damn it. The TV turns off for uh for two minutes and two goals are scored. This is this is amazing. But this is I'm not gonna I'm not gonna bury you with all this hockey talk right now. I'll tell you that that you should be tuning in. If you like sports, you should be tuning into the playoffs of hockey because it's the intensity is unreal. And if you want to know more about it, you should follow the Between the Pipes podcast, which I haven't put a new episode out in several months, but I plan on doing a uh, round one playoff recap real soon so if you want to know more about that you just it's right on the same page dan cable presents you search that on the itunes and then the one with the goalie mask shows up too so uh we'll get into that at another another time but uh abiza paradise unreal the first day the first day in abiza was uh very cool we showed up in in we uh we went there a few weeks out out of season it was I think they said two or three more weeks, maybe even closer to the end of May. It becomes the big party season. And uh, it was kind of dope going there during the off season when it was really quiet and we were able to kind of like walk the beaches with just a few other people out there. And uh, the first day we ended up uh, finding this farmer's market and they call them hippie markets out there. And we found this one particular one. The cool thing about Ibiza is it's a, a pretty small island, so you can kind of get from one side to the other in uh, maybe 40 minutes, and in some some parts of it, 20 to 30 minutes. So we're hanging out on the beach, but then you drive 15, 20 minutes inland, and you're in this unreal country, farmland, and uh, kind of has that desolate Joshua Tree vibe almost to it. Real, uh, real calm and... Uh, very very rad and we happen to find this farmer's market up in the hills and a majority of the people that were selling things were were expats or um people that had moved there from other parts of europe 
and we met some really nice people, some really nice vendors out there, and uh, talked with some folks, and uh, they had some some killer live music going on. Just a, a great band with a unreal singer. So that was uh, a really awesome way to kick off the Ibiza trip. That was also the only day that I had a car during this time where I would got to drive. So that was a cool experience to get to drive around the island a little bit and um also met a uh a really nice man named mark up there at that uh that farmer's market and uh he was kind enough to give me uh a really large amount of of weed and that was really kind of him and he wouldn't even let me give me any 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 dollars no euros were required he just gave gave me this uh this bag of weed which was you know super helpful um I don't. I don't do a lot of drinking. Uh, the uh, the weed, the cannabis, is is more my speed. So it was uh, it was kind of a gamble on on what the situation was going to be with trying to get some uh, some weed up there. And Frank, my uh, my travel buddy for the adventure, is is also uh, someone who likes to consume. And my understanding before going to Spain. Most people said, you're going to be able to get it. It's cool. Don't worry about it. But uh, my understanding about it was that it's uh, legal there in Spain. And that's not really necessarily um, the the case, The uh, what's going on up there. Um, what is happening is they have these cannabis cafes, and uh, but they are, are not necessarily open to the public. You have to get a membership. And, uh, in most cases to get a membership, you need to, uh, you need to know somebody that is a member to get recommended to, to go to these places. But, um, the, the situation is that the, the weed, the marijuana, the, uh, the reefer, the grass, the chiba, is uh is not meant to be brought out of those places. You can buy it there, but you're supposed to consume it there. And if you don't consume all of it, you're supposed to store it there. And they're supposed to supply you with a place to store it. Um, so I I did not know that. I thought that it was le- from what I had read, it was a it was a legal situation as far as uh having it on your person and whatnot. And and that's not really the situation. So that was it was good to get some of that information. And uh, in Madrid, day one, we were able to uh, uh, find our way into a cannabis club there. It cost us 30 euros to become a member, which, uh, you know, seemed a little high, but also it was kind of our option. So we, we went ahead with that, and it was, uh, it was a cool little spot, and it was, it was nice to have a place to, to just kind of sneak into and and uh get a little blasted and then go go throughout the day and we also it was also a cool place to meet people like we had a lot of good conversations with folks that were in these these places but uh so that was day one in madrid that we were able to get some there and uh we decided that it wasn't a good idea to try to fly to ibiza or barcelona with any any weed just because we weren't really sure of what the uh the searching process would be when we got to the the airports within um i did bring some i brought gummies with me some edibles i brought those with me from lax so i had a backup plan i figured nobody was gonna 
go through my my bag of sour patch kids and try to determine if any of them had weed in it so um pretty safe to go the edible route you know especially if you mix them in with other uh candy or uh things things of that nature i also brought other food with me um so i think i think that's it it blends in quite nicely so it was, it was cool to have that as the backup plan but abiza day one we found uh, mark mark gave us all this weed there and uh so we were we were two for two on our on our weed find so that was that was very cool and uh then after we left that farmer's market we went to our hotel which we hadn't really uh we hadn't really checked out yet until until that time and uh it was it was better than the pictures it was right on the beach we had an amazing amazing view to just walk out to and uh all of a sudden there's there's the beach on real sunsets and and whatnot so that was that was the spot man that was abiza was this incredibly peaceful place which was uh which was really nice it was a nice thing to have in between going to these two major cities where there was tons of people and and to be able to kind of disappear to this island that was just unreal the water just so clear and and colors i hadn't seen in the water before there's this famous abiza castle in the the old town center and it's it's this fortress and we we spent a day kind of exploring that which was really amazing and i'd never seen anything like that and just crazy lookout points on on the entire city when you get to the top of that that deal there and there's also there's businesses that they have built within this fortress and there's hotels and apartments that people live in on a regular basis and and just amazing architecture there we went to uh this city called san antonio which is right near abiza town about 20 it was a it was a 30 minute bus ride and uh that was that was a cool spot my buddy frank kept referring to it as as sort of the new orleans of uh of ibiza of the island it, it definitely had that kind of vibe with all the all the bars and shops they weren't they weren't open because it was still that that off season like i said but uh you could tell that that's where all the the crazy clubs were and and where things kind of really uh really pop off over there so abiza was this amazing experience and and that's a place that i would love to go back to i would love to spend seven days in abiza and just really hang out because it's uh i don't know there's something something special about being out on an island like that and uh just kind of feeling like you're really out in the middle of nowhere and all the people there were incredibly kind and like i said the the accommodations were were really sweet so that 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 also also helped quite a bit oh, there's a car alarm going off i wonder if you can hear that probably not you hear it now nope they turned it off <laughs> so you're not gonna hear it at all um that's funny. I'm going through my notes right now from the trip. Things I wrote down. And one of the things I wrote down was museums make me tired. <laughs> oh, man. So Ibiza. Ibiza was special. And uh, like I said, definitely definitely a place 
that I would love to go spend some more time time in be it'd be a killer place to go with with a big group of friends and and just get to maybe experience some more of the the inland area and uh i think that would be my move for next time if i went i would go for a little bit longer and i would try to do maybe two or three days on the beach and two or three days up more in in the hills and in those uh a little more desolate areas i guess which just uh so rad such a such a cool vibe there and and i just dig a place where you can kind of bounce between two environments that that feel so different from each other in such a such a short amount of time i mean i i that, and that's one of the big reasons that i love being in or around portland oregon is because we have this this awesome city that has so much food and 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 culture but then 30 minutes if you drive 30 minutes outside you can be in the gorge that just driving down the freeway with these amazing rivers and and you're pretty much just in the middle of the forest all of a sudden and and having those things so close to each other is is really rad and definitely plays into the the appeal of living here and and summertime is coming it's starting to show its face a little bit the reason people live here or at least the reason i live here is is uh is about to pay off the northwest summer is uh incredibly incredibly tough tough to beat but uh abiza that's what i was talking about that was one of the reasons i enjoyed abiza so much just those uh those contrast of environments and being able to get to each of them so so quickly is is uh, is a very cool thing to be able to go spend the day at the beach and then 20 minutes later being be in the mountains is is a is a very cool vibe that I appreciated very much and uh, like I said also just a, a great place to to kind of decompress and and uh, just chill out a little bit because in the cities we did you know we did a lot of activities we were trying to trying to trying to see as as much as possible and and i think we did a really great job of that up until me getting sick a few days into our our barcelona trip and and that's where we went from ibiza we we flew into barcelona and uh barcelona was was also amazing uh it's it's huge and i didn't realize how big it was until we got to certain parts throughout different days where we had these incredible views of of this city but um first first impressions were were just the architecture there specifically i mean it was amazing in in madrid as well but the some of the buildings in barcelona were just so mind-blowing and uh one of those was this building that I, I still don't know the name of but it's uh if you've seen the movie the arrival it looked like one of those huge cylinders like or whatever shape not a, it's not even a cylinder it's like a weird egg shaped deal almost this huge building it looks like i just kept calling it the arrival building and uh 
Also, one of the best things we did in Barcelona was drive, do the city tour, like the open top bus. Um, that was killer there because that city is is very big, and it's not always um, efficient to like walk to certain places because it could take you forty minutes. So if you're trying to get to a certain place by a certain time, sometimes it was just much better taking the bus. But that open top city tour bus was awesome for just throwing the headphones in every once in a while taking a break getting some history about the buildings or just sitting up there and looking at at different stuff but just saw some unreal stuff and also barcelona sits on the beach as well which is it was awesome to to maintain the uh the the coast vibes for for the rest of the the trip and uh but that the highlight you know abiza was was probably my favorite place that we went but the highlight of the trip was in Barcelona, and that was seeing the Sagrada Familia, which is uh, something originally designed by the architect Gotti, and uh, it dates back to the 1800s. It's still not complete yet, but it's uh, this amazing cathedral we stayed about two blocks from it so that was very cool too is that we got to see this thing every single day and be very close to it check out the outside of it a lot but after a couple days um i think on our, our third day there we did we did the tour we got the tickets for the tour and uh another cool thing where you strap in some headphones and, and kind of go at your own pace and and hit you with the history behind the building and I knew it was going to be cool. I mean, just seeing the outside of it and the, the architecture and uh, the structure itself is so unique and uh, unreal. But um, then you go inside this, this cathedral and it was, uh, it was such a powerful experience, the, the feeling of walking into this thing. And, uh, it's not usually my, my jam necessarily. I don't, I don't necessarily get super warm vibes like that when I go into a church or, uh, like a worship center or, uh, whatever you may call it in your belief system or whatever, but it's, uh, I've experienced nothing like that. And I wasn't expecting to have that powerful of an experience and i think a lot of it too was getting to hear the story of of why this fella built this place and and uh he just wanted it to be this place for people to congregate and and find peace in no matter what religion or 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 faith you were of he wanted it to be a place that that everybody could come and it seemed to uh just be this place that that felt very pure and and seemed to maintain that intention and uh and it just yeah definitely had me in awe and and uh it it was uh definitely one of the most powerful experiences of my life which i was i was not expecting at all and it was uh it was a game changer the just the just to find out like every single measurement for every single thing had a had a reason behind it and 
certain things would add up to to certain things like one of the things they had on the outside of on one of the outside walls was this uh this square with a bunch of numbers and and each row it would add up to 33 which was uh the year jesus was crucified which was cool for me because it's my 33rd year i'm 33 this year and i've i've i always i always refer to it as my jesus year so it was kind of cool to get to go during the jesus year and and uh just uh some amazing architecture and 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 since Gotti's passing and and he did a bunch of buildings in europe specifically in spain he's got a few amazing places in barcelona and um since his passing some of the best architects um in the world to uh have ever lived have have uh continued his his dream of of building this this sanctuary and they're saying it's going to be done in about 10 years and and it's amazing to see it now and i definitely would want to go back when it's completed or maybe even one more time before it's done just to just to get to see the progress but it's it's also rad because he designed it to be a uh an instrument he wanted when the church bells went off he wanted them to uh be heard throughout the city. So the way he constructed this building, uh, he 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 intended it to be an instrument, and and uh, he designed it as such. So it would it would do that, and uh, just very cool, man. In uh, an unexpected, powerful experience, something I I highly recommend. If you're ever near that place, don't don't just see the outside. It um, I think it was. 20 bucks 30 30 bucks 30 euros at most to to do the tour and it's it's well worth seeing the inside of that building and the way that it is constructed will uh will blow you away and i really enjoyed enjoyed that and it, it was it was very very special and and it was kind of the the last thing i did in barcelona before i got violently ill from uh from food poisoning but uh yeah later that night I, I had the opportunity to interview we are impala before their show at the sidecar guests of last week's podcast and that was cool to get to hang with those those guys and they were incredibly grateful for me reaching out to them and their bass player miro was just like how did you even find us like i was just like the internet man you know i was just i was trying to find music to see while i was in barcelona and i stumbled upon your guys's uh your show and started checking out the music and i was way into it so that was really cool and it was uh, just right as their set was ending i got violently ill out of nowhere was extremely blindsided by this um and I've never been that sick before and just I just had to go upstairs and and I just start puking in this alley and uh I'll spare spare you all the details but I I've never been that sick in my life and I thought it was cool after I had uh thrown up and and was telling my buddy Frank, "Oh, I feel so much better now." And then maybe 20 minutes later after I'd crushed a bottle of water or so, um just got another wave of it and uh 
these waves continued and it was it became clear that i was uh i was i was very sick and and i looked so trashed walking through these streets because we were just trying to get get back to our airbnb at that point and i was i don't know we were probably 20 minutes by car at that point and i i was just a mess it was it was around midnight and uh i'm just i look i I look so messed up i looked i looked trashed i looked like i was hammered and i was not at all and i'm just puking in bushes and trying to decide how we're gonna get back if we're gonna take the metro the subway system to get back if that's a good idea but then i'm just like then i'm locked in this thing there's no like there's no way out and then there's a taxi situation but I uh, could potentially have to heave in the in the in the cab, so end up just getting a bag and bringing it with us in the cab. And luckily, I was able to bear through the cab ride, and uh, just all night, all night, I spent with my head hanging over the toilet. And it was the same thing next day. I could not drink any water. I would just, I would just heave it back up, and I'd never experienced anything like that. So it was just so gnarly trying to stay hydrated and spent the entire day in bed. So Frank kind of just went cruising throughout the day. Thank God I was with somebody. I almost went on this trip alone and um, I was incredibly thankful to have my friend Frank there because he was he was very, very cool when I got sick and, and definitely like helped me out tremendously with, with getting back to our place that night and just able to like run to the store for me to get me like anything I needed or whatever. So I was, uh, I was incredibly grateful for his presence there. And, uh, luckily like two days later, I was able to kind of get back on my feet a little bit, but didn't have much energy to go anywhere. I had a tattoo appointment the day before that I had to bail on, which was a bummer because I spent a hundred euros on the deposit and I was so pumped to get tattooed there. And, uh, I guess I'm gonna have to go back to Barcelona just to just to get my tattoo. But um, yeah, we only had like a day or two after that, and so I was I was kind of done um, from the food poisoning, unfortunately. So there's a there's a few things that I did not get to do in Barcelona that I wanted to, but I did have a few days to take in that city quite a bit, and it was a it was amazing, man. Just Spain in general was was so killer and um i definitely got i got what i needed out of that trip and um couldn't ask for a better travel partner in in the adventure my buddy frank and it was also really cool to go with frank it was he he's been to europe a few times now um he had the opportunity to spend a day or two in barcelona uh two years ago but didn't have a lot of time to hang out there. So he was stoked to go back and, and see other parts of Spain as well as Ibiza. But it was cool to go with Frank because Frank and I worked for a really long time at this place called Marcelo's Pizza back in Southern California where we grew up in Corona. And that's where we met. We met at this pizza place working together. And we um, ended up having a lot of mutual friends and started hanging out because of that. And... Uh, kind of quickly became really close friends and and started hanging out a lot we'd see each other almost every day at work and then hang out after or whatever but 
Um, we're both feeling pretty stuck in that place, uh, being there so long at this particular pizza place. And it wasn't, it wasn't the best situation. And we had some fun there here and there, but, um, we both kind of decided at the same time that we were going to get out of there within, within a year or like a, a reasonable amount of time and kind of made that commitment at the same time. And, and almost to one another in in some ways, maybe a little unspoken, but um, we both kind of decided at the same time, and both of us are are so far away from that place and doing um, things that we much more enjoy on a daily basis than than what we were doing in that moment. And and I think we both are super appreciative of that because we know how or I know how easy it is to get like stuck in the cycle of a, of a job that you're not super pumped about. Um, and, and kind of feel like there's no way out of it. And, um, like I said, our qualities of life are both, um, drastically better from those days. And, and I know that we're both really like proud of each other for what we've done since kind of making that commitment to one another of, of escaping that. And, so to kind of just be like, what the fuck, dude? Like we're, we're just cruising through Spain for two weeks right now. You know, like we're, we're so far removed from that life that we lived of working these 60 and 70 hour weeks while going to school at the same time and, and whatnot. And, and we're just, we're just very far from that now. And, and that was very mind blowing, but also just cool to get to experience with that with him because he um, was in that same place with me and, and knows how special it is to be doing things like traveling through Spain for two weeks. So big ups to my buddy Frank. And if you need your haircut, when you're in Las Vegas, you should go see him because he's a, he's a killer hairstylist at the, uh, the Hard Rock Hotel um, there on this, just off the, off the strip in las vegas so um hit him up hit him up i'll i'll put his uh i'll put his instagram handle in the uh in the episode notes so you can follow him if you if you're seriously interested um i'll kind of wrap it up with this because i know we're getting getting a little long with this thing but i wanted to i wanted to share it i wanted to share the the experience a little bit and um I have I have a few like highlighted stories on my Instagram from from each city from Madrid, Ibiza and Barcelona. So that's a kind of a quick recap if you want to see some pictures there. But uh you know, one of the things that was very cool for me because I love music so much was to uh to see the impact that American culture, American music in American culture, pop culture, um, even like more independent cultures um, or genres of music and, and to see their impact that they have in another country whose primary language is not English, um, to see the like how much of that music is played all over that country and not not in these touristy spots. These are like the bars that the locals hang out in and the playlists that the people that own these places are putting on. We, we heard so much 
indie rock there and like hip indie music that that i would hear in a portland bar here are is the same music that's that's being played in spain in bars and 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 such a wide variety like um even metal stuff or you know i walked into one bar and they were playing kill switch engage like the spot where i recorded the podcast with we are impala and and bunch of like heavier alternative rock in that bar and the punk rock bar that I told you about wrong way and and just a lot of places that we would go they were playing it was mostly American and and UK bands and and I was very impressed by that and and very um I would say that I'm not I'm not someone that vocally is like a fuck yeah America guy and I know that there's a lot of uh things that are messed up about this country and there's a lot of injustice but um that's uh that experience of going over there and seeing that impact of of American culture was was something I I I had a little pride in and it made me proud to uh to be a part of the music community here and but also just to know that like the coolest fucking music in the world or I'll, that's not to say that there isn't amazing music being made all over the world and and that's been proven to me by festivals like Pickathon that I've been fortunate enough to work the last couple years and and I've seen quite a few of international bands roll through Portland and that's made me appreciate that as well but it's just so rad that so much amazing music is made here and and to see how it transfers to to the rest of the world and whatnot is is very mind-blowing and uh it just it's made me very appreciative and uh and and also there's uh you know there's a just from from talking to local people there's um, you know, America is messed up and, and has its uh, fair share of uh, political bullshit going on and, and corruption and whatnot, but that all exists in other countries too, and it's happening there as well. And, and uh, it just made me feel like incredibly, uh, incredibly stoked on the place that I come from, and I'm, I'm excited. Um, a lot of people have asked me if I have this this travel itch now that I've been to um, outside of the country and and yeah, of course I do. Like I would love to be able to every couple years take two weeks off and and go to another country. And I I hope that even if it happened every five years, I would be I would be super stoked on it. And I hope that's uh, what lies for me in the future. But uh, there's also quite a bit of stuff that that I want to see here. And there's a lot of cities that I haven't been to in in America that that I want to explore as well and 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 kind of dive into some of those subcultures as well. So it made me it made me stoked to uh to pursue that as well and I was um I thought 2 weeks was a great amount of time to be gone. It was uh it was almost the perfect amount of time. I think also I was I was just ready to come home after getting sick. And finally, like starting to feel a little bit better, but I was kind of, I don't know. Once I got sick, I was I was ready to uh, to wrap it up. But I I felt like 
you know, having a full 12 days to, to move around Spain was, was more than enough to, to enjoy it and take it in. And I, I'd love to go back sometime. Absolutely. For sure. I would go back to all three of those places. Highly recommend them. Um, but you know, before going, I've had some conversations with people about, um, you know, their international travel and, and I, do think it's one of those things that's a little tough to to sum up even though i've been blabbering about this this trip for over an hour now um maybe even close to two which is i'm sorry i didn't mean it but for anybody that's still hanging in um it is it isn't it's really hard to sum up the experience in in words and i i think it was also just rad having two and a half weeks off of work also because that's a that's a that's a big perk of going going on a trip like that, just being able to cruise around at your own pace and not not have or just not have uh, have too many plans. But you know, it's just it's something you gotta experience for yourself. And I'd recommend you know getting out, getting out of this uh, country if you can, if you have the the means or the the opportunity to do so. You know, put it up, put it on your list of things to do. I'm not really sure where my uh, what my next country that I want to break into yet is I have a, a Canada trip that I would really like to do I'd like to do a week-long at least Canada trip and kind of hit the different regions of of Canada just being a big hockey fan I'm trying to hit the hockey hall of fame eventually in in Toronto I don't know what's happening with this this hockey game either I don't even know if, if Columbus won or they lost um, I haven't really been paying attention but Dope trip, man. Amazing. Met some very cool people. And uh, the kindness of people was rad. I don't feel like I was treated by like an, like, I don't know, like an idiot or, uh, I don't know. I don't feel like I irritated too many people by, by speak, like trying to speak English to them or anything. They were very, very nice. Like if they knew how to speak good English, they would, they would talk to you and, and everybody made it very, very easy to do so. I wish I would have learned more Spanish before I went. I would say that that, that would be one thing I would, I would change maybe for a future adventure. I wish I would have learned a little bit more. Um, and then the other thing, because I did get sick and it was recommended before I left to get traveler's insurance and I totally forgot. If you're going to go somewhere, just get traveler's insurance. It's way cheap and uh it'll take care of you if you have to go to a hospital luckily i did not have to but um i would have liked to and i didn't because of uh because of the circumstances and not wanting to get just like my bank account completely completely laid into for not having any sort of medical insurance out there so i would recommend getting some travelers insurance and uh that's pretty much it oh I just also want to mention that day one in Barcelona, we found another rad cannabis club there. So all three days in, in each new city we went to, we went three for three and we were able to uh, get some weed everywhere we went. And Barcelona was even cooler. We were able to just like send an Instagram message to a club and, and get membership through them. And it was only 20 euros and it was a way way chill space with like a pool table and TVs. They're playing a bunch of nineties and early two thousands rap and hip hop and reggae and soul music in there. So that was, 
that was really rad and uh, the quality of weed was was pretty dope i think uh even the guy at that place was just like yeah you have way way better cannabis in in the in the states so uh, don't get your uh your hopes up too high but he was a super super nice dude and and uh it was solid it was solid and uh it was just a rad place to go hang and maybe like charge our phones every once in a while we got some food and maybe bring it in there and um like i said just also another place to to kind of meet people um good place to to talk to people just much like you know going into a bar and meeting people in there so that was that was rad as well and um that's it that's that's kind of the the wrap on the trip and um i hope i hope you all enjoyed the uh the spain recap the the wrap up like i said lots of uh dope episodes coming at you in the future next friday we'll get back into uh interviewing some bands having some conversations and whatnot and i would encourage you all to uh leave a review if you have the time please i cannot stress the uh importance of that enough and uh follow up the the crab apples who uh have supplied the music for uh for the episode and all the links will be in the episode notes for you there and uh that's the jelly jams it's a program and uh this is a track off of the uh, Crab Apples Drastic Mistake record, and this is a song called Flesh. We will catch you on the flip side, Portland or Spain. If you're listening from Spain or wherever you're listening to, we'll catch you. Stay buttered.
It's a program 